Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Palm Sunday and or Sunday of the Passion. Uh, We're still thinking about our Greatest Needs series that we've been in, but we'll get to that in just a little bit. Um, Before I get any farther, let's just welcome our participants. I'm your moderator, John Mitchell from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. And with us for this series in Lent, Pastor Joel Heckendorf from Light of the Valleys Lutheran Church in Reno, Nevada, and Pastor John Scharf from Abiding Grace Lutheran Church in Covington, Georgia, and Pastor Joel Russo from the seminary has been joining us for this series as well. So uh, today, a little different format because I I wanted to talk a little bit about what to do on this day, and um, listeners are are listening to this probably spring of 2023, so this might be old news to some, and maybe you've been doing this for many years, but there are these two options for this day. One is Palm Sunday, um, that can be observed kind of as a, a regular service with the three lectionary readings, um, the psalm and gospel acclamation, etc., the propers for the day. Um, but this could also be observed as Sunday of the Passion, um, wherein the whole Passion history is read, usually from one of the, the three synoptics. Um, John is usually read on Good Friday, that account. Uh, but uh, could be observed as Sunday of the Passion. And again, this is something might be old news to many people. You might have been doing this for a number of years, but I wanted to talk about it today in, in case it's new. Or even if you've been doing this, uh, we're just going to have a little roundtable to see um, the participants here today. What are the ways you have approached this Sunday um, to give you some options or different directions to think about, even if this is a regular custom already in your parish? So, um, Let's just kind of go around and and ask, I wanted to ask you guys, in your congregations, places that you have served, what have you preferred, uh, Palm Sunday or Passion Sunday, or as the uh, series materials present to us, kind of a hybrid approach where you try to cover both things on this Sunday? And um, if so, you know, what, whichever direction you've gone, what are some helpful tips that you might have for preachers and worship planners who are going about this. Um, And then once we do that, then we'll come back to the readings for the day and focus in on a text um, for those preachers who are getting a message ready for this Sunday too. But let's just start with kind of a roundtable. What have you done on this Sunday, Palm Sunday, Sunday of the Passion, a combination of both? Uh, So John Scharf, would you like to start us off? Sure. Yeah, we've we've been doing the both method here for a number of years. Um, our Easter for Kids is always the day before Palm Sunday, and so we will usually, you know, invite all the kids that are there. Hey, come for the. We do the procession of, of palms. Um, you know, it's kind of a, a exciting thing to get to do at at church. You know, carry the palms around and, and lay them down, and um, during the children's sermon, we'll. Uh, usually sing one of the songs from uh, uh, the day before, and it's usually the ho 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 hosanna one. So you get to explain what what that word means, and so you definitely have the Palm Sunday um, aspect of it, and then uh, uh, the reading of the the Palm Sunday Gospel, uh, and, and then a meditation devotion, maybe a, a eight to ten minute sermon um, that really talks about. Uh, what Palm Sunday means 
and what he was coming into Jerusalem to do. So it kind of transitions from the Palm Sunday part of it into the uh, um, the reading of the Passion, and then we we break up that Passion history reading with verses of some of those uh, awesome Lenten hymns, uh, Holy Week hymns, and uh, yeah. So then it it we do the two part two part service. It's sometimes a little longer than a normal service, but uh, people seem to be okay with that, um, and we get to be able to read the whole. Uh, passion history in the context of, you know, this is why we're celebrating on Palm Sunday because of what he came to do. Thank you, John. Yeah, that's um, uh, maybe an approach that sounds familiar to some, but before I um, talk about that more from my experience, um, how about uh, Joel Russo? Would you like to just chime in with what you have done in your setting? Yeah, in my parish experience, uh, Palm Sunday was just Palm Sunday. So we had not done um, a Passion Sunday. Uh, we usually would do during the Wednesdays of Lent, the Passion readings and kind of read through all of that. And so then Palm Sunday was just purely Palm Sunday. Um, I do like the idea, though, that not everybody comes on Wednesdays, that it would be nice to, as John said, uh, remember why Jesus was riding into Jerusalem and have that kind of that, that full picture of, of our, our savior's passion for our, for our salvation. Um, yeah. so yeah, that's, I'm very one-sided that I have not experienced the passion Sunday. Um, one thing that maybe in our discussion to come is I did notice that Matt, Matthew 21 does come up as a reading in Advent one, uh, the first Sunday in Advent. And so maybe, uh, the, the good worship planners would, would kind of keep that in mind when they're doing all of their worship planning of, um, maybe Passion Sunday, if you're going to preach on that in Advent. Yeah, and I think um, some of the materials that I've seen, um, maybe in the Greatest Needs series even, point that out. And so, you know, if, if you have focused on the triumphal entry gospel on the first Sunday in Advent, um, maybe then you could consider a Passion Sunday um, for this Sunday, since you've already kind of addressed that uh, and focused on that event. Um, and then vice versa would be true too. If you took the alternate option on the first Sunday in Advent with kind of the uh, the final Advent emphasis there, that would leave that Matthew 21 gospel kind of unexplored. And, and here it is, of course, on Palm Sunday, when many of us are, are kind of used to it. Um, so that would be an option too. Yeah, but something to think about big picture worship planning for the year and, and what you want to focus on. Um, but there are options there that you can integrate with one another. Uh, Joel Heckendorf, would you like to just tell us a little bit about your parish experience and how you've handled this Sunday, Palm Sunday or Sunday of the Passion? Sure. Um, I would say majority is similar to Joel was was pure Palm Sunday. Now, seems like about a third of my Palm Sundays have been tied to big church celebrations, whether it was groundbreakings or church dedications. Uh, so very much a fanfare type setting. Although there were times, I wouldn't say it was a, so much a hybrid where it was split evenly, but maybe we would go through the whole Palm Sunday. And then after that final blessing, we usually ended in the blessing. Uh, we would do something different there. I, I was say it's similar to like if you're familiar with like farewell to alleluia at at transfiguration we would do something similar at the end so it's 90 percent palm sunday and then say mm -hmm. okay now trumpets are away the next time we meet the, the the tone is going to be completely different 
and we're going to be in the upper room and we're going to be going to the cross and just use a, a quiet uh, meditative thought there, introduction and, and usually a, a Lenten hymn or a Holy Week hymn uh, to talk about why is this Holy Week? This is set aside. And so maybe a, a five minute um, introduction to mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. most holy of days at the end. Yeah, that's an interesting approach, too. So you get a little bit of the flavor of uh, Sunday of the Passion near the end of the service or kind of that transition into the rest of Holy Week or the solemnity of Holy Week, uh, giving people a preview of what is to come. Uh, Yeah, I I should point out, too, that um, you can find online uh, the Worship the Lord newsletter. Um, This is March 2022. Uh, They devoted an issue to Sunday of the Passion and you get uh, the perspectives of a number of different pastors there, kind of how they go about observing that, um, whether it is uh, Sunday of the Passion and kind of the rationale for that, um, or kind of this uh, both-and approach. Uh, that's kind of my experience. What I would typically do would be start out the service with uh, Palm Sunday. Um, it seemed a natural time for kids to sing. Um, we don't get to it quite in, in Matthew, the, the pericope for today, but right after, it was at verse 14, something like that of Matthew 21, is the verse about um, the children are praising Jesus and, and the Jewish leaders tell them, tell Jesus to tell them to be quiet, um, and that quotation from the psalm there. So it seemed a natural time for the, the kids to sing. Um, and so we would often do that have a procession with palms um, at the beginning of the service. Uh, Maybe not, usually not for everybody, uh, but sometimes just for crowding size wise, uh, we would give palms to all the kids, um, invite other kids who are not part of the singing that day to have a palm also, and then uh, read the Palm Sunday gospel, have the kids process in with the palms um, and maybe they would hold on to them while they were singing an anthem or a Palm Sunday type anthem at the beginning of the service or wave their palms, um, which is a cool thing for them, I think, something tactile and visual uh, for them and for everybody else. Um, and then uh, we had would put up kind of a rough hewn cross at the, the, in the chancel uh, during Holy Week, and that was a good place to kind of lay the palms down at the foot of the, the cross there. Um, and then we'd go on with Passion Sunday. That also had the practical purpose of, and this I learned from, I've heard it from more than one person, that if you give little kids palm branches, you want to have a plan for taking the palm branches away from the little kids. <laughs> because, yeah, they, um, as the service goes on, they tend to become, you know, weapons uh, uh, or, you know, means to annoy your little brother or something like that and your parents in the pew. So, we got the whole palm experience with the procession, and then they got to put their palms down. And then we would tell people, uh, if you want to take these home, come on up after the service and, and take as many as you'd like home with you. Um, if you have that that uh, custom of you hang on to the palm and you know dry it out and burn it and use the ashes for the next Ash Wednesday, uh, so palms were available. Um, yeah, if you've never done procession with palms, I'd say it's kind of a cool thing to consider. Um, it is just a kind of a special visual reminder of what happened on the first Palm Sunday. Um, but you have to think through it in advance. <clears throat> also, uh, you know, if you haven't done it before, you do, do need to order those from the florist in advance, especially if you're in a community where a lot of other churches are doing that. Um, you'll want to think of that before, like the Saturday before Palm Sunday. Um, 
And uh, yeah, not that I've ever done that, or maybe I have, but you'd have to plan that out in advance and, and figure that out. Um, but yeah, then we would typically do a, a kind of a Palm Sunday, read the Palm Sunday gospel, a procession of some sort or responsive reading. There is um, a short right in uh, Service Builder, a procession with palms for Palm Sunday. So that is available, some resources that are there that can be used. Um, of course, the Psalter offers and the hymnal to offer uh, settings of Psalm 118, kind of the Psalm connected with Palm Sunday. Um, so those are there for, for your use or to consider including in your service. Um, and then I would typically do kind of a short devotion on one of the Palm Sunday readings, uh, often leading into the Passion Sunday, uh, do that early in the service, and then we would go into Passion Sunday from there. And I found the same thing that, that uh, I think John had mentioned, um, or Joel had mentioned too, um, it was great, and I think we still did read the Passion History during the midweek services in Lent, but um, not everybody comes to those. We had a bigger attendance, especially in our case. We had you know school families coming on Passion Sunday, uh, and it was kind of a cool thing. Um, and I had numerous people comment and say, yeah, I'd never really heard that all, all at once before, and, and so that was uh, kind of a neat experience, too. Um, Anything else you want to mention? Just customs around Palm Sunday, Pas Sunday of the Passion. How do we integrate those, John? Hey, just for us this year, we're uh, you know so that that hymn of the day, right on, right on in Majesty. The mm -hmm. the last two verses really make a nice transition. So we're actually mm -hmm. breaking it up and singing the first three verses before that sermon, and then the uh, last two uh, transition into the reading of the Passion history. Right. Um, lowly pomp right on to die. Uh, you know, this is what's next. So just as a little tidbit, that's kind of a nice uh, natural thing that can be used to transition. Right, right. Joel Heckendorf mentioned sometimes you get uh, special occasions on Palm Sunday. I suppose maybe it's not as common anymore, but confirmation um, uh, sometimes uh, churches observe that on Palm Sunday too. I know way back when I was confirmed on a Palm Sunday, that was our church's custom. I don't know how common that is anymore, but it might be in your setting. So of course, that's something to work in also and work into the mix. Um, so some some guys might be thinking, yeah, I, this date is booked already for confirmation. And um, that, that may be the case. But um, let's go on then uh, to talk about the, the readings for the day. Um, you do have information provided for you in the Our Greatest Needs series that we've been going through. Today's theme is a greater type of king. And uh, maybe I could turn things over to John Scharf at this point, just to talk a little bit about the proper regular readings appointed for Palm Sunday um, and, and uh, talk to us a little bit about those and the scriptural themes that are there. John? Yeah, and you know, you had mentioned in your uh, hybrid service that uh, sometimes you you used any of those three Palm Sunday readings. Uh, I think they they work perfectly for that for that uh, sermon because um, they're all telling the same story, right? We we didn't just need a king to rule us; we needed our greatest king to save us because our real problem was sin. You know, obeying rules of a king would not have solved that because we couldn't obey perfectly. So. Uh, our greatest need is, is a greater kind of king, and, and that those pictures of kingship and his loving rule permeate the readings. 
Um, yet the king described goes above and beyond anything we've seen here. This king comes in humility because he was coming to save us. So Zechariah's prophecy foretells this coming righteous and victorious, and yet lowly riding on a donkey, uh, breaking the battle bow, proclaiming peace to the nations. The second reading, you've got Paul pointing to Jesus' attitude of humility. Um, at the end of the reading, he's, he's ruling all things, uh, every knee bowing, uh, and, and yet it's his attitude of humility. He humbled himself so that in completing the work for which he came to do, uh, he would be glorified uh, as our, our true king. And of course, the gospel shows that very visual uh, scene, our Savior entering triumphantly and humbly, entering to save, you know, and, and the words that the crowd shout uh, proclaim the paradox that is going on. He comes in the name of the Lord. He is that coming one, uh, and he comes to save uh, Hosanna, uh, you know, save us. And of course, the psalm prophesied the scene. You already mentioned that, uh, you know, commanding the gates of Jerusalem to open up and welcome the Lord Almighty, the King of glory, this one who's riding on a donkey. Yeah, thank you for that synopsis. I, I agree with you. They they all beautifully, of course, highlight the Palm Sunday themes, the, the type of king that we have, but then also fit pretty seamlessly with the uh, Sunday of the Passion, too, and uh, provide a good uh, reflection of that. Um, well, let's focus then a little bit on Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11, the appointed gospel for the day. Um and uh, yeah, again, some preachers might be doing a regular sermon on this text. Some might consider in the context of a Passion Sunday, maybe a shorter uh, devotion or homily or something based on one of these readings. But let's assume that preachers are doing some type of preaching on this day and we'll offer some suggestions that might help them out. So we'll focus on Matthew 21 verses 1 through 11. Um Joel Russo, could we go to you first just to share a couple of thoughts and reflections on Matthew 21? Um, anything that jumps out at you in this text? Yeah, there's uh, certainly a lot in here. And of course, this is one of those accounts that comes up in all four Gospels. Uh, John's account is a little bit short, but uh, it, nevertheless, it's there. Uh, we had talked, I think, in a podcast previously uh, on John 4 about uh, I think Joel Heckendorf made the comment, it'd be interesting to do a sermon series on the things Jesus had to do. Um, another thought that came up with this text is it'd be neat to do a sermon series on the times when, uh, especially during uh, the Passion, where it was just as Jesus said. Uh, so you think of uh, like on uh, Holy Thursday when he makes the arrangements for the uh, with the disciples for the upper room and it's just as he said. Well, you see it here in uh, verses uh, two, three, and then really in verse six, where he says, okay, you're going to go and you're going to see this, uh, you know, cult and, and it's tied there. And this is how the conversation is going to go. And then verse six is, and it was just as he commanded, um, just, just that phrase. And then, you know, my, my mind automatically goes to the road to Emmaus. And, you know, when Jesus walks through with, with those two disciples on Easter of all the things that had to be fulfilled, which was another thing that jumped out on this text. Uh, verse four, a, a good Matthew uh, word there is that, you know, Jesus riding the donkey fulfilled uh, what, what the prophet had said, as, as John Sharp noted with the, the Zechariah reading. Um, other thoughts on this, this text, uh, not unique to this, but uh, verse nine might be some low-hanging fruit of making some liturgical connections. Uh, why do we uh, often in our worship, when, when we receive the Lord's Supper, sing these words, uh, the Lord comes to us? 
may, may not be the day you do this, especially if you preach on uh, on this in Advent one, uh, but you have an opportunity to, to make sacramental connections there. And then uh, again, unique to, to Matthew is uh, verse 10, uh, that just as Jesus is riding in with uh, the palms and the coats and the, the, the shouting in his name, uh, you have that, that seismic word uh, that there was a kind of the whole city was stirred and, and asked the question, who is this? And of course, our theme answers that, that we have a greater type of king. Um, I ran across, a, I think it's an Ilvisacher quote uh, that says that uh, Jesus is victorious while he seems to surrender. You know, as he rides in, as John noted, uh, in lowly pomp rides on to die, and yet he's victorious the entire, entire uh, path in. Yeah, thank you. That um, it, it just makes me think of how you've got the uh, the paradox on this Sunday of the the glory through which Jesus is being acclaimed, also a preview of his suffering. John, I was just going to tag on to what Joel just said. Uh, remember the last time the whole city was stirred uh, when the wise men said, "Where is this king who was to be born?" and and Herod got upset and. Also, the last time he was called the king, um, and there there are probably some uh, uh, tie-ins there. You know, you think of the Christmas story. He came for a very specific purpose. the The star announced it to the wise men. You know, they they knew something special was happening here, but it wasn't the kind of king that Herod was worried about. Um, you know, and so I, I think I'm, I'm planning on using that. Uh, getting into this different kind of king, you know, uh, Herod was worried about someone who would rule like him, who rules for his own sake to keep himself in power. And that's why he killed all the babies in Bethlehem. Uh, and, and now this uh, different kind of king ride, rides in uh, and the whole town is stirred and they're asking that question. Who is this? Cool. Yep. Joel Heckendorf. My theme one year was shaken, not stirred, that we can be shaken palms, but we don't have to be stirred because of when we answer the question, uh, who is this? Uh, but, I, you know, even that question, who is this? Uh, yeah, it's, it's an aged illustration now, but you think of like the Lone Ranger coming into town. It's almost, it almost has this sense of a, of a Western movie where Jesus just marches into town as the hero and then he goes away and like, who was that masked man? Who is this? And, you know, I could really see that question, who is this being a great introduction for that transition into the whole passion. Uh, or mm -hmm. as John said, you know, go back to almost, almost the life of Jesus. Who is this guy? And you can, you can walk from time of Herod till this as the bookend and just a neat, neat picture of, of who is this? That's where I would, that's where I'm going to, lean on because that only shows up here in Matthew and, mm -hmm. and really use that as the bouncing off point. Sure. And, you know, the different aspects of the text uh, point to the, the kingship of Jesus, uh, son of David, um, and kind of these loaded messianic uh, prophecies, the, the, the Zechariah verses quoted there, or the Psalm 118, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even uh, yeah, these people, you know, knew these were describing kingship. So when they ask, who is this? You know, the answers are kind of already popping up um, in the text by what the people are saying. 
um, now by what Matthew cites in the, the Zechariah prophecy too. Yes, that would be an intriguing way to go about it, uh, just to, to pose the question, who is this? And then look to the text and kind of the broader context for answers to that question. Um, uh, John? Yeah, and I think that uh, the, you know, you mentioned what they call him, the, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, there's something to that. They understood what that meant. You know, John the Baptist mm -hmm. prophesied the one who would be coming after me, who the thongs for sandals, I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. Uh, that was the question he sent his disciples with. Are you the coming one, the the air coming, you know, the, the one who was to come? Mm -hmm. um, or should we expect someone? They're talking about the Messiah, uh, whether all the people shouting it or realized it or not, uh, those those terms are there. Uh, Joel Heckendorf? Yeah, and I don't know if we're, it seems like we're just kind of bouncing around, but uh, sure. that whole idea of of palms too, I think there's an opportunity to, to finally take us to Revelation uh, 7, that, uh, you know, the great multitude standing uh, before the lamb wearing white robes and what are they doing? They're holding palm branches in their, in their hands and to, before the lamb, you know, that, that too, you got the lamb of God who's, who's marching in here is so finally to take us to that crowd instead of just this Palm Sunday crowd, but the, the crowd of heaven is that ultimate victory is right. something I think would be an easily easy transition for a, a conclusion or something like that. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, there's a, this is pro probably not directly for the sermon, but background of palms, is it Feast of Tabernacles? Um, my thinking is that kind of, was that a customary uh, time to lop off some palm branches and, and use those in procession? But yeah, the, the festification, I think that that picture is in the background in Revelation 7, as you mentioned, uh, victory, celebration, uh, acclamation of the king who brings victory, all those things in, in the palms um, are implied there. Um, yeah, another, if, if you're doing kind of a short devotion on this text, um, pointing to the kingship of Jesus, I, I know I've keyed off of the word Hosanna before um, as sort of uh, both prayer and praise um, to the king, this different kind of king. Um, you know, Lord, Lord save us is sort of the etymology of that. Um, but it became kind of an acclamation uh, shouted in joy to one who you believe can save you. Um, so uh, we see that in Jesus also. Um, so that might be an idea if you're, you need to keep it, keep it brief, um, keying off of that common word, Hosanna. And then, of course, as Joel mentioned, too, the liturgical connection there might be a, a neat one to make. When do we sing this, uh, this word, prayer and praise, Hosanna? It's when our king comes to us and shares with us his victory. Um, yeah, uh, so if you had to, to encourage preachers to uh, kind of find one main theme or main idea in these 11 verses, um, and there's a lot of details you could explore, and we've mentioned several of them, um, what would your encouragement be? Um, if you were to have to say kind of, all right, I'm going to bring across one main idea here, um, what would your suggestion be? John? What I've been working with or what I'm thinking of is uh, really tying into that theme that we've been bringing all the way through Lent, you know, the, the king we needed, 
um, you know, the different kind of king. Um, and just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking of using the Herod uh, um, tie-in as kind of an intro to what was he looking for? What were the people looking for? What are we looking for? Great, great. So the different kind of king, the king we needed. Yeah. Um, other suggestions for preachers, kind of a main main idea, or maybe I could just ask what you're thinking with, how you might approach um, bringing across the main point of this text. Uh, Joel Heckendorf, an idea? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to bounce, especially off of 10, and, and maybe even use 11. Uh, you know, I, th I think a tendency might be to go back to the Hosanna, which is great, and you can go so many directions. But if you're going to really hone in on for maybe a shorter meditation, I think this is Jesus, the prophet, uh, mm -hmm. the prophet from Nazareth. And, you know, and other thoughts there, you, you think of the, the beginning of his, his public ministry when, you know, when they find Nathaniel and say, hey, who is the, uh, can anything good come from Nazareth? And now here you see, yeah, mm -hmm. something good mm -hmm. can come from Nazareth. And this is the one who has is preaching God's word. And what is that message of that word? And then you get into the salvation that way. But um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, that is interesting. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee, how odd that must have sounded to some people, you know, with the Nazareth reputation that is that is there and still kind of lingering. The Galileans were yeah, kind of this uh, yeah this bunch of people kind of on the fringes out there. And yeah, Joel. Right. And to your point that that strangest, I mean, that's the whole, that's a way to talk about the strangeness of this day that, mm -hmm. that they're, they're parading around this Nazareth. And so it shows that Jesus is this, this humble King, which doesn't yeah. fit together. The, you know, the writing on all those pictures of this is an odd picture, but that's, that's maybe not odd, but unique is the mm -hmm. better word. And you talk about how unique Jesus is. Who is this? Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, it does highlight just the, the oddity, the uniqueness um, of the whole situation. Um, as far as kind of applications uh, or appropriation application thoughts um, in a message like this, I mean, a lot of it is just straight up pointing to Jesus. Here's Jesus. Here's the one we're focusing on. Um, on Palm Sunday, as we get into the Passion history, whether it's in this service or in the coming Holy Week services, just look at Jesus, focus in on him. Um, but do, do you have any ways that you've gone, um, just thoughts for application, um, appropriation, and saying, you know, here's why we need to look at Jesus and focus our attention on him, ideas in that regard? John? In, in my text study, I had copied down uh, a paragraph from the commentary on the Proppers that I think does a really nice job of this. You know, so the question, why did he come so humbly? Because he came not to rule us in an earthly kingdom, but to save us. He came not to command us, but to invite us. He came not to demand anything from us, but to give everything for us. He comes in the name of the Lord to save us. Hail him. You know, and just thinking of that uh uh, how does that apply to me? Uh, what am I looking for in life, in, in religion, in my, or I should say, in my religious practice? Um, he brings something better than all too often I'm, I'm focused on. Um, and mm -hmm. yeah, I, I yeah. think that might be a, a good thing to wrestle with. Yeah. 
And then you mentioned the king we needed, um, the king we need, uh, kind of answering those those uh, questions you prompt in people's minds by pointing to Jesus and yeah, his unique person and work. Um, other thoughts, uh, appropriation, application, or illustrations, anything you uh, have used or thinking about using to bring these thoughts home, Joel Russo? Yeah, I, I, maybe if you're going more of a, a one kind of homily route, uh, it always struck me when you read Zechariah's prophecy of rejoice greatly, like this is a, a day of great joy and uh, just to bask in what our Savior has done. And I know I always struggled with that myself. Like, should I rejoice when I know what's going to happen on Friday? Um, that you know he's going to be on the cross. But we do need to rejoice because of the kind of king he was. And uh, I just listened to a preacher recently kind of kind of rant on this of how we, we don't do a good job of celebrating the gospel and, and rejoicing in what our Savior has done. So bringing that out, I, I think is just important. If this is a day of joy because of who he is for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's that unique gospel joy that's there, that uh, even as we see Jesus going to his suffering and death, we know the grace that moves him to do that, and that's a reason to celebrate always. Uh, right, so yeah, that would be an interesting way to approach it too, uh, the rejoicing that's there as our king comes, this unique king uh, who meets our greatest needs. Um, well, any open it up, any any other suggestions for preachers or other ideas you're you're playing with? Um, I could mention illustrations, too, in the, the daily text um, for uh, our greatest needs for that series. There's some good illustrations. Those are always good. I mean, and I hope you guys are using those for bulletin blurbs or, um, you know, for pre-service meditation or think getting people into the theme. But there's some good illustrations there, too. Uh, Joel Heckendorf? Yeah, I was, I don't know if you'll end up in the final sermon, but just the idea of why is... Jesus so trustworthy that, you know, our, our greatest needs, again, you have the, the savior of the world. So uh, that's the, the big need, but, but all those little needs too that. And I think that's where the gentleness really shows forth. I, you know, you, you think of a kid, who, uh, some illustrations I've used in the past, maybe is if a kid is sick um, and they're in the hospital room, who are they clinging to the, the disease destroying doctor who can heal them? No, they're, they're clinging to mom and dad on their laps because that mom and dad have, has dried their tears before and that mom and dad mm-hmm. have, has sung lullabies to them. Or, um, you know, it's gentleness is usually what, what garners trust, not just power. It, it, maybe it's both. It is both. You, you trust something because you can see they have the power to do something about it. But the value of, of gentleness as well, you know, you don't, you usually don't scream to someone, trust me, you know, you, uh, you invite, Hey, you mm-hmm. can trust me on this. And, and so to, to use both aspects that you see here, uh, Jesus as, as the powerful King, but Jesus as the gentle King, mm. uh, leads to that application. This, this is the one who meets all my needs and I can trust him for every aspect of my life. Yeah. Can trust the gentle King. I like that. Uh, John, did you have a, another thought or possibility? Yeah, completely. Uh, just a, an interesting point. Um, Joel had mentioned uh, reading the Sweet Talker Ilvasakar. Uh, he had another one this week, the uh, the 10th of Nisan, you know, the day that this happened, uh, according to Exodus 12, 3, where the Paschal Lamb, that's the day the Paschal Lamb would be selected for Passover. That's the day that Jesus enters into Jerusalem and the whole city mm-hmm. says, 
this is the one coming in the name of the Lord. Um, just kind of an interesting uh, that that may make it not as a main point, but uh, an interesting detail that reminds us um, God knew what he was doing in establishing the worship life of the Israelites. And, and there's yeah. so many beautiful pictures that we sometimes just pass right by. Yeah, the lamb is coming long last. Joel Russo? Yeah, this is really minor, but it, it backs up what Joel uh, was just saying about the gentleness of Jesus. Uh, Matthew's gospel, I think, is the only one that records that uh, Jesus said, um, untie them. So it wasn't just the cult, but the, the mother of the cult. And so he's, he's even thinking about the animal's needs of he's going to ride on this colt and has mom right alongside. And it's like, wow, if he thinks about, you know, that, uh, wow. I mean, he, he's got me in mind, certainly, too. And that gentleness comes out in so many ways. Right, right. Yeah. Again, the, the uniqueness of the king, um, the most powerful ever, literally, and uh, the one who comes in such gentleness to lay down his life, um, right? Reminds me of the Philippians 2 reading again, right? The humbling himself, the form of a servant, um, uh, and the grace that is behind it all, right? All right. Well, anything else uh, to, to offer preachers? All right. If not, um, hopefully we've given some, um, some ideas and food for thought as you go about approaching preaching on Matthew 21, uh, and also as you go about how to approach this Sunday, Palm Sunday, Sunday of the Passion, a mixture of both. Um, God bless you, preachers, uh, as you go about planning worship and proclaiming the good news of this unique King who meets all our needs.